I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to episode 31 of The School for Dumb Women, the podcast where we try to desperately cram ourselves with information so that we can pass our GCSEs. Only joking, education is meaningless as our brains are useless sieves. I'm your host woman, can't tell the difference between a sieve and a colander, Hannah Farrell. With me is somehow always Burns Pasta, Alexandra Haddo. You should try my barbecued spaghetti, Hannah, it's actually delicious. And one pot recipe convert, Caroline O'Donoghue. One day I'll be able to serve Sunday lunch without seasoning it with my tears. Mmm, salty. I look forward to my invite. This week we're studying houseplants, McDonald's and marrying your cousin. So by the end of this, you'll be able to beautifully decorate and cater your incestuous wedding. I think I read about that in Vogue. So Caroline, you can't fully splay your fingers. Are you perhaps the result of an incestuous union? Not as far as I know, though my parents look eerily alike. So perhaps there are some secrets. Does that mean they've got similar ears? You're such an asshole. That was so cryptic. Yeah, you and you just belong in the cryptic crosswords episode. Stay there forever in a prison of your own horrible mind. Um, No, no, Alex. I've been uh, studying cousin marriage. Oh. So um, my Google results are fucked up forever, and I'm going to get the weirdest ads on Facebook until the end of time. Oh, you're probably on some list somewhere. I'm on some list somewhere. So because basically the thing that I googled, because you know when you're researching for dumb women or I do and you I just I literally think of the first question that comes into my head yeah. and, and this was when did it become okay to stop marrying your cousin <laughs> dumb women is the only time when I actually google a full question yes yeah same like I always google keywords but then suddenly for dumb women I'll be like why is it that <laughs> yeah no completely and then seeing the autocomplete is very satisfying you're like oh I'm not the only one yeah hooray um, but yeah I was thinking about this because um, I, I read a lot of, of books <laughs> I read like I know brag um and you know some of those books are set in uh Victorian times and some of them are set in regency period and some of them are from 1923 and they're all you can always tell the age of a book because for a good long while the characters seem to be marrying their cousins yeah. and then suddenly out of nowhere it becomes weird for them to marry their cousins yeah Jane Austen cousin marriage all over the shop really yeah yeah, yeah pride and prejudice doesn't isn't he a cousin Oh, Mr. Collins. Yeah, Mr. Collins. Yeah, he's a cousin. cousin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shakespeare, cousins all over the shop. Yeah, people calling each other cousins and then kissing. War and Peace. I think there's some cousins in there. Oh, is there? I've only seen the TV series. I did not read the book. So, yeah, like, so, as we said, Jane Austen, Pride and Prejudice, like, there's, like, someone who I think of as, like, quite a modern, readable person would have thought nothing of marrying her own first cousin. 
Whereas like a book like uh, Flowers in the Attic, it's all about like these two cousins that get together and then it's essentially generations upon generations of misery as a result of this one terrible mistake. So it's really weird that in like a really short period of time, something could like change so much. How old is Flowers in the Attic? I've never read it. I mean, it's like the 70s, but still like, you know what I mean? It's like for something so huge to change in a fairly short period of time. Yeah, like like within a couple of generations. Yeah. I always just think about people that marry their cousin. Their kids have less grandparents. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because that is like, obviously there are different kinds of cousins, um, but a first cousin is where you uh, share the same grandparents and that's seen as being the the weirdest kind. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The weirdest kind to marry is a first one. Um, But the weird thing is that according to science, uh, 80% of all marriages in like history, so like the first homo sapiens, 80% 80% of them would have been marrying their cousins because their societies were so small. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that yeah. was just like the norm for a really, really long time. Yeah, I guess so. But then, obviously, like, cousin marriage became... I love just saying cousin marriage. Um, <laughs> as, like, society developed and, like, a social hierarchy sort of came into place, the upper classes, the middle classes, the lower classes, there was lots and lots and lots of inter-cousin marriage um, between the upper classes because it's a really, really good way to consolidate um, lands, titles. Do you know what I mean? Because for so long, women couldn't even inherit or anything. So if you've got a lot of women in the family, you kind of need to, to make sure that the wealth stays in the family. They're looked after that, like... Basically, we all stay within our own and yeah. we don't sort of get any riffraff in or whatever. Yeah. And so just first cousin marriage all over the gaff, which is just such an odd idea, yeah. right? I could never marry my cousin. Do you know why? Because you don't have any. Because I don't have any cousins. Wow. So weird. I know. But the weird thing is, is that so cousin marriage has never been illegal in the UK and it's still not illegal now. Mm. Really? So in the ninth century in Europe... There was um, very strict rules about um, when basically when the Catholic Church was running the whole show. And so after the fall of the Roman Empire, Catholic Church were basically in charge of all of those territories because there was no real thing. Um, So there was like one law from all of them. And they said that um, marriages between cousins between four degrees of consanguinity, which is a weird word I can't say. Um, Consanguinity is like the levels of which you're related to somebody. Yeah, sanguine is blood, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Very good. Um, So your child would be considered a second degree consanguinity. Yeah. A niece would be a third degree. A first cousin would be a fourth degree. So anything within that band was prohibited, right? And everybody outside that. So like your your grand aunt, your grand niece kind of thing. Yeah. Which feels kind of grand, right? That feels I mean, it's grand. It's grand aunt. Yeah, yeah. Grand niece. Grand. But it's, yeah. Which I, I mean, it's weird that like the in the ninth century, the Catholic Church were like, these are the rules. And like, even now they're like, yes, they feel like sensible rules. It's quite mathematical, isn't it? It is yeah. very mathematical. I looked at the chart and everything and it was like, yep, yeah, all makes sense. This is the chart from the ninth century that totally holds up. All right. So um, they had this law, but because the noble people wanted to keep all of their riches and all their lands within a f- only like one or two families, they had to pay the Catholic Church a big like tithe to get like permission to marry. So there, there are like huge cathedrals in fucking Rome that are funded on people marrying their cousins oh it's so weird I know god the church already had paedophilia now they've got incest yeah (laughs) another string to their bow Um, so yeah obviously royalty all got um, intermarried and stuff Queen Victoria and Prince Albert were famously first cousins Um, but in the US they had like bands bans on marrying your cousins quite early on because oh, right. the whole notion of being 
uh, an American is very anti-nepotistic, isn't it? Like it's like it's very much about the melting pot and kind of yeah, and the individual. Right? Yeah, exactly. Well, not anymore. And now they, they're back they, to fucking Nazi rule. <laughs> yeah, and they didn't have any like aristocratic wealth they needed to preserve, so they were like, no, oh, yeah. we're a new advanced society. We don't do this. This is a weird English thing. Yeah. Um. So they there was all these people who in the 1700s started like suddenly writing about like, no, this is not what we do anymore. And um, like somebody published a piece and I really laughed at the title. In the 1870s, Lewis Henry Morgan published a piece called The Advantages of Marrying an Unrelated Person. (laughs) As if like he was like fighting for that. He was like, hot take, guys. Yeah. Because they were all looking at like um, farm animals as well. And they were like, oh, when we breed ones in the same families, we get a weaker stock. That's obviously true for people. So this is like the beginning of like evolutionary thought. Yeah. Which is really fucked up when you think that Charles Darwin married his own first cousin. <gasps> oh, did he? Yeah. The grandfather of evolution. He should have known. Yeah. Well, uh, so his son, George Darwin, spent a good deal of his academic career being like, no, cousins are fine. My dad is fine. Cousins are fine. Oh, <laughs> oh but he got bullied at school. I bet he did. Yeah, your dad's changed everything in the way humanity thinks forever, but he fucked his cousin. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously there's a whole debate over like whether or not fucking your first cousin and making a child with them creates congenital defects within your um, next generation, right? Yeah. So in 1846... The Massachusetts governor, George N. Briggs, appointed a commission to study idiots in the state. How many idiots do we have? Who are they? And by idiots, this is in 1846 now, he classified anyone who was deaf, dumb, mute, a bit, a bit like mentally challenged. Like basically anyone he was like, no, not, not us. Whoa. Yeah, it's so, so weird. So he basically, like the first ever comprehensive study of... I mean, I'm not even going to say disabled because it was like completely even way wider than that. He was like com- including disabled people with people who were a bit thick. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, he found from that that uh, a high percentage of them had intermarried cousins um, who were blood related. So, you know, it was like kind of anecdotal studies like this and stuff that got people talking about it and yeah. got it banned in lots of places. It's banned in most places in America, lots of places in Europe. Still quite happens in a lot of... Um, Asian countries I was about to say yeah I think in India and Pakistan it still happens yeah well I suppose there's still I mean if you take a country like India I'm sure it's not commonplace anymore but in more rural areas they still do have a caste system yeah. whereby I think it happens more in countries where there is a hierarchy that they need to contain yeah do you know what I mean yeah yeah um, I'm going to round off that disturbing segment with uh, some famous people who married their cousins ooh, ooh. yeah so uh, Woody Allen I know that's <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just a, his normal adoptive daughter. <laughs> that's a fine thing. Um, Edgar Allan Poe. Oh. His second wife was his first cousin. He was 27. She was 13. Ooh. Oh, yeah. for God's sake. And that was cool. his second marriage. Jesus. I know. His first wife died and apparently his second wife was more more like a sibling relationship because he used to just cry on his first wife's grave all the time. Uh, so maybe she was basically a maid. Yeah. Slash mate. Um, Rudy Giuliani, that famous New York mayor. Really? Who everybody hates. I'm not really, really sure why. Um, Einstein. God, they were all at it. Yeah. Einstein's one is actually super creepy. So he married his second, his second wife was called Elsa Lowenthal in 1919. Um, they were first cousins on his mother's side as well as second cousins on their father's <gasps> side. Wow. Weirder still, she was actually born Elsa Einstein. She was born with the name Einstein. Oh my Einstein. lord. <laughs> Do you know what I 
find weird about this is that it's his second wife and it just makes you think that like you know maybe the absolute one for you was your cousin and like you know you've always had a thing for them and then you think well do you know what we're gonna have to put up with a little bit of shit from society but she's the one and it's almost like as the second wife it's like yeah, she's always been there, but I just started fancying her all of a sudden yeah, when I was like, 30 or whatever. It's like, yeah. I can't be bothered to go through that whole thing of finding someone. Again. Yeah. You're right here. Like, yeah, let's just single, do that. sexy cousin. Yeah. Single, sexy cousin. Um, I've got an even weirder one, guys. This yeah. is about to blow your fucking socks off. Kevin? Which Kevin is it? Which <gasps> Spacey? Which? No. Um, the what? Bacon. Yes. <gasps> yes. Kevin Bacon when he appeared on the US version of Who Do You Think You Are, which is called Finding Your Roots, oh, God. he discovered on television that he his wife is his ninth cousin. Uh, that's quite far apart, Still, I guess. though. That's still cousins. Still a weird thing to find out, like, of all the people you could have married, it's someone that is yeah. related to you. Right? Weird. Super mm. weird. But aren't we all kind of probably related to each other? Very, very, on a very kind of far yeah, back. But some of us more so than others. Yeah. Yeah. This is true. Like, it's like, um, do you know that Who Do You Think You Are with Danny Dyer, where he finds out he was he was related to um, the William, Queen the or Con- something. William the Conqueror, I think it was. Was yeah. it? Amazing. And it was one of those things where everyone was like, oh, but surely everybody is. And then some genealogist was like, no, actually, not that many people. Oh. <laughs> so Danny Dyer's going to rule us all. As is right and proper, yeah. So, Alex, what kind of G are you on right now? Caroline, don't be so sexist. I don't need to be on a G. I am a fucking G. What? Sorry, doesn't G stand for gangster? No, Alex, it stands for generation, and your use of urban slang has just betrayed yours. So, yes, G's. All of us are sitting in a basement right now under the earth in the Soho recording studio. So we don't have any G's. But if we were above the ground, we'd be on 4G. If we were in a shit area, maybe we'd have 3G on our phones. And uh, soon we're getting 5G. Ah. But like, what are the G's? What's going on? I thought on? it was like G-Force. You know, like when they go up in the rocket and they're like, I had 5G's on me. And everyone's like, whoa, that's a lot. And I've just yeah. my whole life been like, yeah. Yeah. You can download so much at that speed. Yeah. So much. So, similarly to 4G and 3G, uh, 5G, which is coming soon to a tiny phone near you, uh, is a wireless connection built specifically to keep up with new devices that need a mobile internet connection. So, the first generation of Gs. The first G. The first ever G. Brushes off cobwebs. (laughs) Sometimes I have H on my phone. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes I have E. Why is H not better than G? Because it comes after it in the alphabet. It shouldn't be. I've never had an H in my... No. Oh, it's It's terrible. It's just the Hannah symbol. Literally can't do anything when you have H internet. I've had a few Ds on my phone. Know what I mean? (laughs) I bet you do, you slut. (laughs) Um, so with each new development of each new technology, you need a G to keep up with it, right? So telephone communication, sort of calling each other, that's the first generation of communication. Oh, okay. So that's, oh. you know, and then when we enabled um, texting technology, we had to have a whole new data system to go oh. with that. So that was the second generation, texting. Oh. So third generation was getting internet on your phone, getting internet remotely. So essentially you need new updates of how to like store data with each new technology that upgrades with it. Yeah. So 
3G gave people the ability to make phone calls, send text messages and browse the internet on their phones. 4G enhanced those capabilities and made possible like powering loads of apps, streaming video, listening to loads of podcasts, having basically tons of shit in your phone that you don't really need. Um, and then 5G, you're going to be like streaming HD and 3D on it. So basically, as the technology gets better, and we talked about like planned obsolescence before, yeah. then the internet has to get better along with it. So everything's sort of like trying to keep up with each other, really. Yeah. And um, so we keep inventing new things like, you know, smart fridges and smart things and smart dog collars and stuff. And yeah, yeah we just need smart the- women. Smart women, and we need the um, bandwidth capabilities to keep up with them. Oh. So, we'll look into our dumb women crystal ball. What are we predicting for 6, 7, and 8G? Ooh. Um, in the next decade and a half or so. Reading your eye. Your eye. <laughs> the inside of your eye. Scanning your eye to get into your phone. Yep, yep. I think maybe not 6 or 7, but maybe sort of 9 or 10, it'll be you'll be able to point your phone at something and make it into internet. Oh, to make it into a meme. Yeah, yeah. As in, you'll be able to point your phone at a box and be like, make this a speaker. And it'll be like, vroom. Oh. <gasps> and then Adidas will do a cool advert where like some cool guys dress head to toe and Adidas like stumble across some cardboard boxes in a car park. Oh, and yeah. they're like, yeah. hey, Tyrone's got that new uh, 10G phone. And then they all just start having like an amazing jam sesh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I can really see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's That was very clear. So clear. Adidas, I am available. I feel like 6G might be... Um, Implants, brain implants. Yeah, I feel like we're getting closer and closer to that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And then maybe 7G will be like, it'll have some really annoying thing where you're meant to scan all your food and then it'll be like, mm, this is not biometrically uh, working with your blood yeah. type, so make sure you go and eat a uh, tangfestic. And you'll be like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. See, I have a theory that um, eventually something's going to happen and we're going to be restricted internet use. Like, it'll just become one of those things like... Like smoking in public. You know, when you see smoking in Mad Men and you're like, oh, it's so weird that they could smoke anywhere back then. Like in 20 years, something will have happened. Like the public health crisis, the amount of depression and stuff will be so high. They'll be like, no, we only allow this for one hour on a Sunday. Ooh. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe you have to have a special license. Like like if you have a gun, you have to have a license to have a gun. Wouldn't wouldn't the world be better? Yeah. If you had to prove that you were like a smart, empathetic person... That wasn't violent. That to wasn't get the just going to troll people on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Like if it was getting like a driver's license, would it not? We not have a better world. I wouldn't mind that to be honest. Yeah. If, the, if it was like, oh yeah, you can have half an hour of internet per day, I'd be like, yeah. Yeah, and that's the rules for everyone. Get so much done. Yeah, you get so much done. So yeah, less G's, more connectivities. Yes. <laughs> Between people, humans. Ah. Women of code, 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 women, women, women. When's Warren G gonna come back? <laughs> Anna, can you open your mouth, please, so that I can water you? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's nice and wide, Han. <laughs> Thank you. Now, you are, of course, imitating your segment today. I am imitating a houseplant. Oh, you look very green. Mm. Because houseplants cannot speak, but they can respire. And I am, in fact, photosynthesising before your very eyes. Oh. Holy shit, it's beautiful. <laughs> you look glorious. Thanks, Alex. Yes, I'm doing houseplants for my segment this week Mm. because I kind of think, isn't it a bit of a weird idea being like, oh, nature is nice. Let's have it indoors where it can't live. Let's have a dirt pot inside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I think it's funny that you choose this because one time uh, a friend of mine asked me what Hannah Varel was like. And I said, Hannah Varel is kind of like the desk succulent of uh, friends. 
in that uh, she like is like cool, gives you a lot back, but doesn't ask for that much. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is that a compliment? Yeah, you look like, like a really cool, low maintenance friend. Okay, <laughs> cool. I'm happy with that. I think. Well, you have to be because you're low maintenance, so you can't boot off about it. This is true. Yeah, yeah. You do. Whereas like. Alex is more like a Japanese orchid. You have to give it praise every three hours. Yeah, otherwise I die. <laughs> Even though I've got that small wooden stick holding me up. <laughs> Which is your skeleton. <laughs> no one said what kind of plant I would be, so I guess I'll just die. I think you would be um, a bonsai tree. Because you're wise and intimidating. Aww. I don't know how to treat you, but somehow you're still alive. <laughs> That's very moving. I'm very moved. Thank you. And I feel like you're very rare and I'm happy to have one. Oh, guys, we all feel good now. Do you feel better about your succulent thing now? Yeah, I do. Okay. I do. Good. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of a weird idea, right? Get a plant, uh, bring it inside and bring it some soil so that it can keep growing and mm-hmm. then give it water um, and then just enjoy the plant because we like green things and yeah. it's easier than actually going outdoors. It does yeah. really make you feel better. I live very near Columbia Road Flower Market and so just by proximity we always have quite a lot of plants in my house but it feels very nice especially in the bathroom having having lots of plants it does feel nice mm. yeah and that's actually kind of a lot of psychological reasons why having plants feels nice but science isn't exactly sure but my theory is that that's just how we're programmed to live isn't it yeah i was gonna mm. say like sort of it's like nature yeah, exactly. We're built to live kind of outdoors or in close proximity with nature. And so when we are not there, we're like, what? Which is why yeah. I think I'd have a hard time living in a pod on the moon. Um, mm. but Which you tried for a while, but... bought you know. a plant, maybe. Yeah, me and Elon Musk, we had our yeah. trial, <laughs> trial rent period. rent was too high in Walthamstow, so you decided moon it is. Absolutely. Um and it also kind of plays into the well-being trend, doesn't it? It's like self-care and it's engaging in the real world and kind of being kind of mindful and and also like having patience because you're taking care of something. And that whole nurturing thing is like really big amongst millennials because we can't afford to have kids because we don't have any money. And also we all rent our accommodation or most of us do. So you can't have a pet. Or, I mean, you do, Caroline. I do. But the majority of people can't have pets in their flats. And you want to nurture something, so you're like, well, I'll get a mm. plant then. And it has been a huge trend in the past, like, few years. That Definitely, Millennials yeah. are getting really into plants. Actually, to prove your point that it is a big trend, I was listening to um, the Debrief podcast recently, who did a whole hour on how to keep your houseplant alive. Wow. And Tessa Coates and Stevie Martin, who are both fantastic and very funny, brought up the very good point of, like, when your houseplant dies on you... You feel, and it happens so easily because, um, you know, a, a dog will tell you it's sad because it's, you know, vomiting or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but a plant will just like suddenly become brown and then you'll be like, what to do? And then it like gets browner and dies. Yeah, um, definitely. But uh, and you feel like you've really failed. Like, oh, nothing thrives around me. I'll never be a good mother. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, it is a bit like, I mean, like... I, I'm like, why isn't this? Why I'm doing everything here? Like, yeah. why? Why are you crying? <laughs> why are you crying? <laughs> uh, some myths about plants. Oh. The whole thing about them creating oxygen. Do you reckon that's true? Oh yeah. God, it was going to be one of my arguments for having them. Please don't say that. We're all <laughs> fucked if that's not true. No, it is true. And some mad person uh, estimated how much oxygen was produced by a plant, and it's a bit. 
It's <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a bit, is it? It's some, yeah. It's one bit. <laughs> so a guy called Marco Thorne uh, decided that for every 150 grams of plant tissue grown, so if you have a plant that weighs 150 grams, 32 grams of oxygen are released, which is 22 litres of oxygen, um, which is, you know, all right. I mean, we do consume 550 litres of oxygen per day mm. each. Uh, so we would need... A lot of plants. We would need a hell of a lot of plants, basically. Right. But, you know, they, they do a little bit. And also they can absorb some bad stuff from the atmosphere, too. Oh, okay. Which is quite nice. It's a bit like Febreze. Just have a plant in the, yeah. in the side. Um, what about singing to your plants? That's meant to make them oh, happier. Oh, yeah. Something right? to do with the vibrations, right? Well, I thought it was just that you were inadvertently breathing out more on them. So they're getting more CO2. Well, there's been lots of experiments to kind of see if this is true or not. And people generally kind of aren't that sure. And there's one hypothesis that is like, well, maybe if you sing to your plants, you're just better at looking after them because you care more about them because you're not going to sing to your plants if you don't care about them. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Yeah, singing to your plants feels like one of those things that somebody came up with in a for a 90s rom-com to illustrate a lonely woman. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's a very 90s thing, like having a long coffee order. Yeah, she has know? cats and sings to her plants. Yes, exactly. Okay. So Part of that whole thing. Yeah. yeah. The next thing I wanted to ask, why do we like cacti so much when they're so painful? Because <laughs> they look cool? Because they look cool. And they yeah. used to be really trendy in the 1970s, which was uh, before my time. But uh, interesting. Well, as with everything else in the 70s, like uh, brightly coloured polo necks and badges. Uh, <laughs> financial ruin. Badges and financial ruin. Um, I have bought an awful lot of cactuses recently. Uh, I have three now. I have two mini cacti. Really? Mm. They're nice, like. They're yeah, nice. but and they're brilliant in that, like, you cannot water them too little. Yeah, <laughs> they really need basically no care. You basically shouldn't water them, right? Yeah. A guy called Richard Jones, writing in The Telegraph, said that um, he thinks that cacti are popular because they look quite funky and remind people of their mothers. Because if you grew up in the 70s, then you might be like, oh, my mum liked cactuses. (laughs) Oh, I was so confused there. I was like, whose mum looks like a cactus? (laughs) (laughs) What is happening? Uh, But the history of houseplants is also really interesting. No one's exactly sure when people first sort of started bringing plants indoors. But there's evidence that people had houseplants in Pompeii. Uh, The Chinese were growing plants for ornamental purposes in their houses as early as 1000 BC. Mm. And then slightly after that, actually, uh, there was the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Oh, yes, one of the lost wonders of the world, yeah? Yeah. But they're sort of outside, aren't they? Yeah, I think that. But every single thing that I researched about the history of houseplants was like, well, in the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Um, So I'm not really sure. I guess it's the fact that they were cultivated, that they were taken out of their natural environment and cultivated Mm. for this garden. Um, and they had and, a lot of hanging baskets. I yeah, guess. and yeah. made to grow. Apparently, some uh, flowers are made to grow upside down. I don't know how that works, but um, yeah, very interesting. And then the Victorians were really into house plants as well, and that was kind of a wealth thing because it was like, well, if you could get an exotic plant from somewhere foreign, then that's very exciting. Oh. Um, and it's also about kind of heating and light and stuff because if you're kind of a peasant in the 1800s, you've got a, probably a dark and cold home and so your seedlings aren't gonna survive in there basically but then the age of technology happened homes became warmer and brighter and so you're more likely to have bigger windows and things and uh stoves that mean your house isn't freezing the whole time and it's easier to have plants indoors and stuff like that 
That's nice. nice. One of the most popular house plants is the orchid. Yes, they look like vaginas. They do. They're very nice. Mm. I'm going to go home and stroke my orchid. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We're pleased to announce that Alex now comes in a box of 6, 10 or 20 and costs far less than she should. How are you feeling, Alex? Um, underappreciated yet delicious. Ah. And a good source of protein. Yes, of course. Um, and I don't contain any beaks. I am, of course, this week talking about my favourite fast food chain, McDonald's. Oh, yes. Preach, girl. Preach. Preach. What? All these other pretenders just don't know what they're doing. I don't care about a KFC or a Burger King. Take your subways away and don't even have the debate about Nando's if it's fast food because there is only one king and it is McDonald's. And yes, this podcast is recorded very close to McDonald's and I use it as an excuse to have my McDonald's fix. We've had several um, Dumb Women Ideas meetings in the McDonald's and I think all of our best meetings happened at that McDonald's. Yeah. Definitely. Because we had cheeseburgers and good lighting. I was blessed today to witness Alex having her first ever Big Mac and I have to say I recorded it for the Dumb Women Instagram followers at Dumb Women Pod. Nice. You can watch it on there. It was uh, It was delicious. Um, as, as a McDonald's lover, I can't believe that I've only mm. just had a Big Mac. I yeah. know why. I know why. Why? Because all through the 90s, the McDonald's did so much with a Big Mac, but it was all, they were, they kind of did a Yorkie bar on it. They were like, it's for men. Builders have this. Yeah, I never like, realised that. Yeah, it was definitely like a very masculine marketing around the Big Mac. Even the name is very, I guess, big man. Anything yeah. that's like, that markets itself on its size is yeah. generally like associated with masculinity because it's like, oh, this is big. This is fucking huge. You have a big dick. You have a Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got some news about the Big Mac, guys. It was invented by a man in 1967, but the name Big Mac was actually coined by a 21-year-old advertising executive in McDonald's who was a woman. Ah, ah. well so, done. Yeah. 
She's beaten the men at her own their own game. She really has. I mean, she was like it was part of a joke as well. It's like, oh, what we call it the fucking the fucking big dick, the fucking yeah, big yeah. Mac, and they're like, good idea. And she's like, yeah. Also, it's not very big, is it? It's not that big, and also like you know, it's not like this big huge indulgence. Yeah, there are two fairly thin meat patties. There's a lot of lettuce in there, a bit of pickle, a bit of onion. Like it's literally cheese. because it's got the middle bun, isn't it? It's yeah, the middle bit of bread. Yeah, it was created by Jim Delagadi, who was a franchisee of McDonald's in America, and the 21 year old was called Esther Glickstein Rose. Good for you, Esther. Yeah. yeah, well done. It had two previous names, which uh, didn't do so well. I will give you a million pounds if you guess anywhere near what the... Thick Tony. (laughs) (laughs) Oversized meat pie. The the meaty Michael. (laughs) I really like all of these. Um, The first name for it was the Aristocrat. (laughs) Oh my God, that's so funny. Um, And uh, consumers found it difficult to understand and pronounce... Oh. Americans, Aristotle, um, and then it was called the Blue Ribbon Burger. That's just very like um, it's talking to a different class, isn't it? Yeah, it's like not the class of people who are going to McDonald's. Yeah, and then thank God Esther came along and said Big Mac, so Big they went with Mac. that. Keep it simple, lads. yeah. Um, and it was created to compete with some other guy's thing that sounded really masculine. It was created to compete with big boy restaurants' favorite sandwich. The Big Boy. <laughs> Original, lads. Yeah, I know. So it was like the Big Mac and the Big Boy. Uh, but interestingly, did you know that from the Big Mac, because the Big Mac is now sold in like 120 countries, mm-hmm. um, there is a Big Mac index which is published by The Economist as an informal way of measuring the purchasing power parity, PPP, between two currencies. Oh, yes. How interesting is that? So the basic sort of premise of this is that um, the exchange rate in two countries is obtained by dividing the price of a Big Mac in one country in its currency by the price of a Big Mac in another country. The value is then compared with the actual exchange rate. If it's lower, then the first currency is undervalued. And conversely, if it's higher, then the first currency is overvalued. Yeah. Couldn't McDonald's just like manipulate that and then be like, oh, well, let's say that in Belgium our Big Mac costs five euros or whatever and then I don't know put loads of money into Belgium and oh yeah they could they could totally manipulate the market couldn't they they could and maybe they are I'm not going to go into the massive history of how McDonald's started it started in America in the 1950s um, if you do want to know about though that Michael Keaton film The Founder is all about Ray, yes. Ray Kroc and his like taking over McDonald's basically a hostile takeover very interesting very good film yes and uh, also obviously Super Size Me um, yeah. I sort of yeah. brushed up on that today I did see it um, which obviously he is trying to make the point that McDonald's does serve you awful food but nobody's saying eat it three meals a day every yeah. day for a month also his girlfriend was a vegan so I bet she absolutely loved that <laughs> So yeah, you're you're more talking about the sort of like cultural phenomenon of McDonald's rather than the history of McDonald's. Yeah, well, like I mean, I res- I learned everything about McDonald's today, but <laughs> the point is, yes, it started up great, okay, um, but there's loads of brilliant stuff which I find very interesting, which is what different McDonald's around the world sell. Oh, I love these things. Yes, which is great because you know when you go on holiday, and I went to Greece once, and they had like 
um, a McAthens burger or something and it was like a square wow. burger and I was like wow. we are definitely getting one of these sure. and also I always think oh but Britain's probably like the stable menu no everything's catered to every different country's taste oh really there is some weird stuff out there guys in Japan there's a shrimp burger which genuinely looks delicious it's like whole prawns in a patty Ooh. in a bun it's like a sort of McChicken sandwich but with prawns Yum. Caroline the next one's for you mm. in China there is a taro pie <gasps> Caroline loves to do tarot reading. And it's exactly like one of our apple pies, but the inside is lilac in colour. Wow. What's tarot as a foodstuff? Exactly, Hannah. Glad you asked. It's the tarot root. Okay. That's like sort of mushed up and sweet and like a dessert. Oh, nice. I know, right? Um, Then there's some other amazing things like the McNoodles. Not anywhere in Southeast Asia, in Austria. Got that. In uh, India, because there's loads of vegetarians in India, because there's a lot big Hindu population, they have the McCurry pan, which is a pastry pan, sort of a box, and in it there's loads of vegetables, and then you can eat the pan because it's made out of pastry. That sounds pretty nice. That's just a fancy tart, right? I'd have that, yeah. I know. Um, There's loads of amazing stuff, like the pineapple Oreo McFlurry in Colombia. No, that doesn't sound good. Mm. Mm, I don't know, though. Um, in Russia, they have the McShrimp, which is just battered shrimps. Sure. Is that a McDonald's thing? Not a scampi. Yeah, exactly. In China, they also have the mashed potato burger. China has got some really weird stuff on the McDonald's menu, and I, for one, can't wait to do the world tour. <laughs> in China, they also have a sausage, egg, and pasta breakfast. Oh, cool. It's so weird. Um, we were talking before the show started uh, that everybody has their McDonald's rotation. Yes. So my rotation is if I'm very hungry, Big Mac meal. Yeah. Medium hungry, which is the most often quarter pounder with cheese meal. Yeah. Light hungry, but I still want to get like some food, McChicken meal. And then like snack is some nuggets. Absolutely. And, and maybe that an is, ice cream. Now that I've had the Big Mac and I'm inducted into that world, that is my exact hierarchy Your exact as well. rotation. Yeah. Oh, wow. Before it was the exact one, but just one down. So oh, quarter yeah, pounder yeah, with yeah. cheese was main, McChicken sandwich meal, second... Right. What about you, Han? Well, as we all know, I'm a very high-class woman. Yeah. And I don't often go to McDonald's. Yes. Um, mm. But I'm, I'm a fan of the nugget. Yeah, go you're a nug for, girl. Go for the nugs and chips. Mm. Yeah, keep it simple. Yeah. Keep it yes, classy. I respect that. Yeah. Is there any like um, any of the new additions to the McDonald's menu, like the mozzarella bites or any of that you guys have embraced? Or I have tried a mozzarella bite from somebody else once, but yeah. I haven't ordered them myself. Actually, I have once before this podcast. Ah, <laughs> I just my... find them really disappointing because you bite in and then you're like, oh, there's nothing there. You expect there. chicken, just don't cheese. you? Yeah, it's oh. just empty dreams. Yeah. Really? Have you guys ever ordered a filet of fish um, yes, when I was a lot younger, because my sister used to order them all yeah. the time to fuck everyone off. Yeah, so one of my biggest memories of childhood was that my, we used to pass a uh, McDonald's on the drive home from school, and every single day it was, can we go to McDonald's, can we go to McDonald's, can we go to McDonald's? And every so often, maybe like once a month, my mum would just veer right and go into McDonald's, <gasps> and she wouldn't say a word, she'd say poker face, and we'd freak out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, my brother Shane, just to piss everybody off, would order a filet of fish because it takes longer to make Ugh. because no one ever no orders one them. It. And then we'd be sat in like the car in the car park waiting for someone to walk out with the food and we're not allowed to eat in the car so our food's going cold and he's just oh. like... Nye, 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 nye. Oh, Shane. He's such a prick. He's such a prick. I remember I had like the perfect day when I was about three or four and I'd been a really good girl all day and obviously I probably... Sound had... a bit pervy now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was probably about four, I think. And my mum said... You've been really good today. 
tell you what, when your dad gets home, I'll take the car out and I'll get you a Happy Meal. And I was like, the dream is oh. here. What a perfect, lovely day. Anyway, the car didn't start and then I cried. <gasps> no. I know. I had to have boring old healthy food. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. Horrendous. If you think about it, though, because I think the majority of kids don't really care about food that isn't sweet food. Do you know what I mean? Like, as a kid, you only kind of want sweets or crisps. Yeah. Uh, You don't really care about dinner food. Yeah. But they get you in so early at McDonald's with the toy that you you associate, like, their food with, like, getting a present all the time. Yeah, I know. It's so smart. So basically, the rest of your life is just, like, every time I think about McDonald's, I'm just like, oh, nostalgia and, like, nice and good. You're right. It still feels like a treat. Yeah, it is a treat. That's so clever. That's such clever brain play. It is because they still advertise that like football games they sponsor loads of um, like children's football leagues and stuff like that Mm. so it's like the kids are trying to get healthy, but then they're like, oh, you've just played a lot of sport, want a burger? In <laughs> fairness, though, we, we were in the, the last generation of um, good Happy Meals. I think now it's just some apple slices and a fuck you, isn't it? Oh, no, <laughs> is it? I think they're quite healthy. They, they try to be healthy now. Apple it's slices like, and body shaming. Yeah. 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 Pudgy for an 11-year-old, right? <laughs> this is the thing with McDonald's. They just, I think they should just be the only people that are just bucking the trend of health and just be like, because nobody is going into McDonald's thinking, I really want a salad. Yeah. And it's even been proved in my extensive McDonald's research to date. The Caesar salad in McDonald's has more calories than a Big Mac. Really? Yeah, because of all the sauce, right? Yeah, sauce. And they're trying to make it tasty, remember? So that, like, you know, that you have to add so much shit to a salad, whereas a Big Mac, you fucking fry it and that's it, whatever. But... People are going there for an awful, awful treat. They're not interested in your wraps or your mm. salads or any of the new shit they bring out. I'm not even interested in those bloody seasonal menus where it's themed after a state in America. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, Louis- the Louisiana Big Bite. Yeah, so I chicken double down. Yeah. yeah, it's so weird. I never buy them. Who cares? Do they oh, even we do only well? want the four things, really. Yeah. It's yeah. funny that I even gave the hierarchy, really, because they're the only four constants yeah. on the McDonald's menu. There's no... Up- I can't think of another thing. The only thing in a seasonal menu that's ever made it through onto the permanent menu is the chicken legends. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they uh, do, yeah. they're all right. Like, But you don't give a shit. Like, everybody is, you know, like when a famous person, they say they are frozen in time from like the age at which they became famous. Yeah. That's what it's like for people's McDonald's orders. Yeah. It's like when you're about 14 and you're like allowed to get your own McDonald's when you go up the town or something. Like, yeah. you will order that for the rest of your life. Totally. And that's why they say that advertisers work so hard on young people because as you get older, you like what you like and you don't change. Oh, you know what okay, I mean? yeah. And, but when you're younger, you're like, why not? I'll order the Big Tasty. Um, there's a whole Wikipedia page about all of the lawsuits that McDonald's has like taken up with other people or have had forced on them over the years. They've basically tried to sue... Anybody around the world that has a business called, like, the Muck something. Oh, really? So, like, say your name was Caroline Muck Donoghue and yeah. you ordered, you opened a little sandwich, like, or, you know, a milkshake place called McDonoghue's. They'll, like, try and sue you. Cause the, wow. And they've got away with it in some cases where it's been a really similar business to McDonald's, but even if it's been opened earlier. But there was, like, a little old lady that had a stall and it was called... McJones or something like that mm. and she it was like a knitting shop or something and then like the judge was like you don't have the monopoly on muck yeah. <laughs> Scotland does stop it name. yeah yeah um and I'm just gonna finish on a really strange but lovely fact um which is you know McDonald's monopoly which I always forget they have like oh, yeah. you know because it's always on the front of the um they really try and push it the packets yeah it's definitely for teenagers isn't it what is that yeah you like peel the front 
of the packets off and you it says like you know you get free McFlurry or really um, has very little oh, to do with the game Monopoly is it it's just no, the it's branding not, but you do I think that basically if you collect four or something you definitely get something oh, but fine. nobody can be bothered because they're those little tags or whatever however in 1995 so they've been doing this Monopoly thing for absolutely ages on and off um, in 1995, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital received an anonymous letter postmarked in Dallas containing a $1 million winning McDonald's Monopoly game piece. Aww. Oh, wow. So they, like, McDonald's kind of, like, verified and everything that it was real, and it, it was. Uh, and the, ga- the rules of the game prohibit, like, transfer of prizes, but because, obviously... They mm-hmm. couldn't waver this because it was sent to a children's hospital, so they had to do it. Clever. Um, they made the annual, like, 50... Because the prize was, like, $1 million in 50 grand a year for, yeah. what, 20 years. Um, even after learning that the piece was sent by an individual involved in an embezzlement scheme intended Ooh. to defraud McDonald's. Ooh. I feel like there's a Matt Damon film in here somewhere, yeah. guys. Yeah, for real. And Christian Bale would have sent it. And he'll fat up for the... the Oh, yeah, he'll he'll fat up and skin down. (laughs) Okay, so we know what you're thinking. It's hard enough getting up early to use beauty products you don't understand. Highlighter, primer, CC cream. On one face, let alone two. But how are you ever going to get by in the world if you're always honest? Can you imagine how much grief that would cause? I agree, Alex. And can I just say, you look amazing in that top. Not as great as the person who was designed to fit. Am I right, Hannah? Oh, snap. See? Now, if people call you two-faced, this is generally seen as an insult and you're a bitch. But the beauty of being two-faced is that people usually call you it behind your back. So as a de facto, they're two-faced too. I see. So our smart lesson today is how to be two-faced while remaining an upstanding smart woman and keeping your integrity intact. Ah. So, guys, have you ever been two-faced? No. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, is two-faced having a very sincere conversation with somebody over text and then screen-grabbing that text and then sending to somebody else being like, what a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> it's We've too, all done it. It's too technologically easily to be two-faced now. I Do know. You know what I mean? So I've devised some tips for us all. Yeah. So that we can get through life as a two-faced person. Uh, number one, don't, under any circumstances say the two different things to the same person. Such as? Well, this can occur if you send the text to the person the text is about. Yeah. yeah. Very bad. Uh, nobody sends a screen grab of something unless it's like screen grabs of like addressed to a party or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Unless you're saying something a bit shit. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to be like, well, Caroline's so perceptive in her, yeah. you know, emotional messages to me and I think she's really progressed as a oh, person. I'm actually sweating even thinking about <laughs> it, lads. Can you imagine? So basically, yeah, just keep your camps very separate on that. Yeah. Um, number two, call a lot of other people two-faced to avoid suspicion. Yeah. Yes. You would never hear someone be like, oh, they're so two-faced. And so am I. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, the, it only ever gets pulled out of the bag, that phrase, when that person has done something that they don't like. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so yeah. they'll be like, oh, my God, they're so two-faced. It's like... Yeah, but you're not telling them that. So by your very definition, yeah, you're bitching and you're not just bringing it, really it up is. with them. It's, it is one of those weird infinity loop things. If like if you if you t- call someone two faced, 
But in order to find out that they're a bitch, you had to sit there and nod. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I'd have to be like, Caroline, you're really two-faced. And then you'd be like, well, you're you're one-faced, Hannah. <laughs> you just told me that and now I hate you. Yeah. Which brings us to your top tip, Hannah. Yes, yeah, so my top tip is use makeup to camouflage the second face. Mm. Uh, there's some very good concealers these days. Or wear a roll-neck jumper and you can sort of like just... You pop know, it up on one of the faces. Just prop it up over the face. Yeah. yeah. Or have a hood... Or do Ooh. like, you know, like Voldemort when yeah, he was Quirrell. in the back of Professor Quirrell. And, you know, I think we've all got one face that we wear day to day and we've all got a little Voldemort head, haven't we? We do have a Voldemort head. <laughs> My <laughs> other tip is as well, just be like, oh, I don't want to be two-faced, but... Yeah. yeah, nice. And then you've absolved yourself. Same it's with like, virtually anything you can say about yourself. Like, I don't want to be a bitch. I don't want to be that girl. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> but... <laughs> but there's a great Joan Crawford quote I think about a lot, which is, um, there are two things I don't like about you, your face. Oh. It's a good wow. one, isn't it? That's very good. I've always waited for like a time where I would both like have you say that quote and also remember it. <laughs> it's never God, happened. God, that would be good. Yeah, it'd be good, minute. Yeah, so guys, basically what you've got to do is try and get yourself into a situation with a two-faced person so that you can use that Joan Crawford quote. And that is our final tip of the day. Yeah. Well, that's the end of the episode. Thanks for listening. Really good to see you. Your dress is so nice. Oh, thanks so much for having me. You bitch. What a pain in the ass. You're both fucking bitches. Thanks to single-faced Harry Harris for our jingle, Gavin Day for our logo, and Soho Radio Studios for the recording space, which we've now made emotionally toxic. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at DumbWomenPod. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do go and rate it on the Apple Podcast Store and tell all your friends. See you next week. Bye, I guess. Bye. Whatever. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.